On this episode of Movie Bites, we finally reach the final two movie bundle episodes in our wartime era. This is Melody Time and the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. to Movie Bites, the show where three guys sit down and watch a Disney animated movie in chronological order. And today is an exciting day, believe it or not. It is our last packaged films that we have to review on this show. Yay! Yay! Let's celebrate. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Jeffrey Perez and David Jones. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be almost done with these. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It's it's been a minute. It only took us like two years or a year to get through these. <laughs> <laughs> yes, over a year. It was a sludge, but we're uh, we're back. We're focused, and I think I think our uh, our our excitement and and our energy is going to really pick up uh, with the next episode. So uh, that's not to say that we aren't going to try to give this one our best shot, but here's hoping um so to start off uh unlike most of our episodes we're covering two movies here uh in one episode instead of you know one one movie per episode so uh we're gonna give some facts real quick talk about both these movies and when they released some box office and run times and then we'll get into some behind the scenes jeff why don't you run us through real quickly some quick facts Alrighty. so melody time was originally released on may 27th 1948 and ichabod and Mr. Toad was released about a year and a half later on October 5th, 1949. The box office for Melody Time hit 2.5 million, that's 2,560,000, which is pretty dang good. Uh, and then The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad hit about 1.6 million, at, well, 1,625,000. So uh, not quite as good, which is surprising to me. I would have predicted the opposite. Um, the runtime yeah. for Melody Time, about 75 minutes on the shorter side, but expected for a compilation film. And then Ichabod and Mr. Toad only clocks in at 68 minutes, very close to one of the shortest Disney movies. Yes. Thank you, Jeff, so much. Well done. Next up is our behind the scenes and production notes. I've got four facts here. The first two are about Melody Time, and I think the second two are about Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So number one, Melody Time is considered, yes, to be the last anthology feature made by the Walt Disney Animation Studios. They were financially and artistically uh, lightweight productions meant to bring in profits to allow the studio to return to fairy tale single narrative feature form, an endeavor which they successfully completed just two years later with Cinderella. Now, I know we've talked about these uh, a lot because that's all we've been covering is wartime stuff, and uh, it's just nice to see the light at the end of the tunnel. There, there is a, a purpose to all of this that um, they just wanted to, you know, make these films so that they could, you know, stay in business and eventually return to what they've already realized is kind of where they shine best, which is, you know, single narrative, um, you know, fairy tale type things. So uh, very much looking forward to uh, see what how they pull off the next one. Uh, number two, the Pecos Bill segment in Melody Time uh, was later edited on the film's NTSC video release, except for the Powery's release, uh, to remove any part of Bill smoking a cigarette and almost the entire tornado scene with Bill rolling his cigarette and lighting it with a lightning bolt. <laughs> Both the cigarette and the tornado scene were restored when the film was released on Disney+. Plus, Which is interesting, because usually with this kind of stuff, I feel like they are less likely to, you know add things back most likely they would remove things later yeah that surprised um, me but yeah. on my vhs copy that i watched there was no cigarette scene so i had to pull it up on disney plus and and check it out just to yeah see what i was missing i was surprised about that because it didn't you say the three caviar whatever the other one was that i can't spell right pronounce right now that they took out the the, the goofy cigarette scene but they left this one in that's in right spell. yeah was that a it wasn't three caviars. Was it the other one? Was it uh, Salud Saludos Amigos? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. But then on the Blu-ray, it, it is restored. 
at the same right. time. Right. Yeah. It kind of makes me wonder why. Go ahead. No, my bad. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say that um, uh, make mine music. I'm wondering why that one hasn't seen anything then. If because think that's why Melody Time hasn't been released in so long is because of that scene. I guess is it really that much worse the McCoy's um, <laughs> segment? I mean, there's a lot of guns in this one too, and cigarettes, and they left it all in. So I'm like, why not? We could get Make Mine Music on Disney Plus too. Yeah, it's odd the, the choices and what they decide to yeah. restore with the you know the description in the the preview that says this is depicting old time things like smoking and right. blah, blah. so yeah it's odd that they wouldn't restore that but they'd restore this so i don't know yeah and i think having goofy smoke a cigarette is probably different than you know Pedro's yeah Bill that's what i was gonna whatever. say yeah also i guess there's the domestic abuse part of the mccoy thing that is a little a little worse right right that is true yeah. can be emulated without somebody having to go to a counter and buy something so i don't know <laughs> yeah in 1938, shortly after the release of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, James Bodero uh, and Campbell Grant pitched to Walt Disney the idea of making a feature film of Kenneth Graham's 1908 children's book, The Wind in the Willows. Bodero and Grant felt that The Wind in the Willows, with its anthropomorphized animals, could only be produced using animation. To persuade Disney to approve the film, Bordrero and Grant uh, prepared a reel which combines storyboards uh, stills with rough dialogue performed by members of the animation staff. Uh, Disney, however, was skeptical and felt that it would be awful corny, quotes, uh, but acquired the rights regardless in April of that year. Now, obviously, due to the war and budget concerns, a full-length movie idea never really saw its way to the finish line, which is uh, which is unfortunate because I I love the Wind in the Willows. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a book I remember reading as a kid. I think they took us in school to go see like a stage play of it. And I, I think it's really great. I think a full length movie of uh, of with that source material would have been amazing from Disney. Uh, it's unfortunate, and we'll talk about it a little more. But I feel like they just kind of scratched the surface of this and really could have had a great movie with with everything that was there. So. Are you guys fans of Wind in the Willows? Was that something you guys read when you were kids? Uh, I never read it, but I've always been a fan of this this short film within this movie. Uh, okay. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I read the source material and remember enjoying it quite a bit. And uh, yeah. had, as I think it was broken and sold separately at some point, because I remember having just um, this one on VHS. I don't remember having Ichabod with it. Yeah, I believe both were sold separately. Yeah, I remember having Ichabod. I don't remember having this one. (laughs) That's funny. Right. Yeah. So this one was probably a little more common. The other one's a little spooky for kids, so maybe a little less likely to have it. Um, But regardless, that's kind of what happened with with, with Wind of the Willows. Um, At one point, there were plans to combine the Wind and the Willows with the legend of Happy Valley... um, and the Gremlins, so it would have been like a three-parter, which was an original story developed by author Roald Dahl uh, into a package film titled Three Fabulous Characters. Uh, when the Gremlins failed to materialize, the title was changed to The Two Fabulous Characters, and then obviously eventually the title, title was changed to its its final thing. Um, I, 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 don't, I wonder if that's the Gremlins, if that's reference to the Gremlins we know. I don't know if you guys I know. I think so, yeah. I know him from Epic Mickey and some cartoons I've seen, but I don't know. Right. And I guess I love Roald Dahl, but I don't think I'm familiar with his Gremlins story, so I'm not mm-hmm. even sure if that's where the movie came from. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure either. I thought it was interesting. So, uh, yeah, another thing, Roald Dahl working with Disney, like that would have been a freaking powerhouse move too, mm-hmm. and it didn't happen, unfortunately. But... Um, least no well it was james and the giant peach rolled doll i can't remember not sure <laughs> anyway <laughs> we'll move along uh now's the time where we talk about our history with the movie any nostalgia any memories we have uh we'll we'll hit through these real quick and then we'll move our way into the movie talk through let's start with david then we'll go jeff and then we'll go me david take it away okay i mean talked a little bit about this already but my main history with the film is owning um, Wind in the Willows on VHS and that one I have seen in 
very obscene number of times. <laughs> oh, nice. um, Ichabod, the other half of the movie, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, I think I'd maybe seen a handful of times, if that, maybe on like the Disney Channel or something, but I didn't have any ready access to it. And I probably watched it together as a single feature for the first time, maybe a year or two ago, because hmm. uh, I'd always seen it separately. And I mean, it's not really, there's nothing really particularly cut out because they both go into each other. So it's, it's a pretty clean break to watch them both separately without losing anything. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Nothing really more, more exciting than that. Okay. Yeah, for me, it uh, we had the VHS releases that I think came out around the late 90s, early 2000s. And I watched them back then each probably once or twice, but wasn't really into them. Um, most of my familiarity with the Mr. Toad character is from the Disneyland ride. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, I know the story of the headless horseman. So I'm more familiar with that just because, um, and I do think we had it on a, on like a compilation cartoon, like a separate one, um, from that era or maybe recorded off of the Disney channel or something. But, um, I do remember the headless horseman a little more, the, the, uh, sleepy hollow. So, um, right. and then yeah, melody time. I don't have a, ton of memories with most recently like my wife and I watched through these like five years ago and we both really like this one so that, that's okay. kind of my my main history with it gotcha well uh as far as I can remember I never watched either of these in their entirety um as a kid or whatever um but a lot of these I know through the Disney sing-along VHSs mm, mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, Mr. Toad's song was in there. Uh, I don't believe that, uh, Ichabod was, uh, there was, there's a segment in Melody Time at the very beginning with, um, like the winter one where the people go ice skating. I think they added that to like a song in the Christmas sing-along. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how Disney like, Jingle kinda, bells, like yeah. yeah, it takes all their like weird stuff and they like find things that are wintry about it and they put it in their christmas episodes mm-hmm. um so so i kind of was familiar with a lot of stuff a lot of things were looking familiar um a lot of the imagery of like pecos bill and uh, johnny appleseed uh looked very familiar to me but i had never actually seen them before so this was a pretty new experience for me i think the only one i've actually seen in its entirety was um uh, the adventure or Ichabod in uh, Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Halloween fan. I love Halloween. I love spooky stuff. And so, uh, a number of years ago, I think I had uh, watched this with like my brother or something nice. uh, close to Halloween, and uh, loved it. So, um, I might have seen the Mr. Toad segment in a VHS short at one point, but it did not seem very familiar to me. And even uh, rewatching. Uh, the Sleepy Hollow one, it was like I had my memory of how it actually went down and what happened in it, and it was completely different than what I like thought it w- was going to happen. Like I thought the bad, I thought the the bully dude was going to be like a fake sleepy or a headless horseman, <laughs> and he wasn't. And I was just like, I remembered it all wrong. So it had been that long that I hadn't seen these in a long time. So I feel like going in, I had a really good uh, kind of outside perspective with not really having a lot of familiarity with it. So that's kind of my history with it. All right. So moving forward, we're, I'm going to go ahead and hit play here and we're going to get started with melody time. And here we go, off to the races. Starting off Melody Time, we have our intro segment. Starts the same as every one of these package films with a nice, beautiful uh, opening overture, uh, usually with the lyrics that are the title of the movie. Uh, so this one, uh, Melody Time. Um, they do an interesting thing up front where they, before even they give credits of like who worked on the movie, they, they do this kind of... 
Um, they basically show you what every segment is going to be and who it's sung by. Uh, so this movie has got a lot of you know famous singers and, and actors or whatever. Um, and so they kind of right up front tell you exactly what, what's going to be played, what you're going to see. Um, the, the opening song is called Melody Time, uh, sung by Buddy Clark. So that, that's our intro. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, following that, we jump into our first segment of the show, which uh, sometimes these opening segments are kind of hit and miss. I, I feel like you got to get the ball rolling with, your, with a good segment. Now, whether or not they did that with this, let's be, let's, we'll, we'll see. Um, this one is called Once Upon a Time, or no, Once Upon a Winter Time, which is sung by Francis Langford. Uh, it's an animated segment with two characters who go on a sleigh ride together in the slow in the snowy countryside. They go ice skating, and uh, some animals also get involved and start ice skating. Uh, eventually, the girl gets mad and storms off, uh, causing her to be carried down a river of ice. Um, the the science there between ice skating on a river or a pond and then it turning into a raging river is confusing, but <laughs> whatever. Um, Basically, at the end, the guy is useless, and the animals end up saving her, and he gets all the credit, basically, even though he like didn't do anything. Uh, the segment doesn't have any dialogue and is mainly driven by the music and the visuals. Uh, it's a well-animated segment, in my opinion. Uh, it has very pretty visuals. It's not a terrible opening, if you ask me, uh, compared to some of the other ones, but... Um, once again, yeah, I just it, it, it's an okay segment. Um, did you guys like this one? Yeah, I, I like this one. I I think it tells an interesting ish story, like enough to kind of there's a you know a setup and then a little bit of drama and then a happy ending. Um, it reminds me just a little bit of like the ice skating sequences from Bambi or Fantasia. Um, maybe not quite as beautiful because obviously these are lower budget, but um, a little more artistic and stylized, I think, which kind of makes up for it. But yeah, overall, it. it it works. I don't know that it's the very best one to open with, but it it isn't a bad one. Yeah, Dave, did you think this was a good opening segment? Um, yeah, it is an interesting interesting choice of which one to open with, and it's it's an all right short. It's not my favorite. I just wanted to real quick talk about the horses though because they freak me out. <laughs> really? Those necks. They look like giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> It's so disproportionate to how all the other animals are drawn. It's just really weird. Huh. I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I, I guess know. I didn't think about that. Horses look like complete freaks of nature. <laughs> Escape, crawled out from the pits of despair. Um, other than that, it's. I guess it's. I guess it's all right. Just another kind of forties, whatever they think a love story is or something. I don't know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm just happy. It doesn't really warm my heart at all. <laughs> it's just. Right. I'm just happy that it has some kind of story to it and it's not right. just abstract art things, which I, there's nothing against abstract art, but, you know, for me, especially as a kid, but even still today, I just need some kind of story to follow. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. No, absolutely. So, that being said, our next segment kind of falls on that the line there between the two uh next up is freddie martin's bumble boogie a segment with a jazzy rendition of flight of the bumblebee put to animation uh this segment presents a surrealistic battle for a single bumblebee as he tries to ward off visual and a musical frenzy it's really the best way to describe it. Uh, this is one of the many pieces that was considered for inclusion in fantasia ultimately didn't make it in there um this segment doesn't really make much practical sense. It's more intended for uh, creative visual storytelling based around the music itself. Um, regardless of that, it is really creative, and I felt like it wasn't a super long segment. It didn't overstay its welcome, which I appreciated. Uh, Fly of the Bumblebee is a good song, so mm -hmm. it was kind of cool to hear them kind of change up you know, the style of it. So I thought that was neat, but overall just kind of meh. Yeah, it's a... It's a nice artistic piece like you said it's short it just seems like a low budget Fantasia piece so not it's saying that in like a bad way just that's the reality of what it is yep definitely following that is the legend of Johnny Appleseed 
Uh, Dennis Day narrates as the old settler who knew Johnny well and provides the voices of both Johnny and his guardian angel slash ghost. Um, this segment has a running time of 17 minutes, making it the film's second longest piece. So rather than um, give just a really short synopsis, I kind of came up with a mid-sized synopsis of this one. So real quickly, I'm just going to run through and remind the listeners at home kind of what happens in this. Uh, this one was new to me, so typing this out, I was just kind of following the story. Um so the segment opens with Johnny uh, singing his song, and I believe it's called Johnny Appleseed. Uh, the, the song titles in this were kind of vague. Uh, Johnny wants to go out west and be a pioneer, but he's uh, really skinny and puny, and he works with apples. Um, but eventually, uh, a ghost guardian angel shows up and convinces him to head out west. They sing a song about all the things he could make out of apples, which just made me hungry for all these delicious apple foods. Johnny then grabs his seeds, his Bible, and wears a pot in his head like a crazy person. And he <laughs> sets out west. He eventually uh, makes his way out west and plants some apple trees. Uh, eventually, the animals try to scare him off, but they decide they like him because he doesn't have guns and stuff. So... Um, Later on in the in, in the short, we see that the apple trees have been planted, and there's this big legacy of, of apple trees that he's left behind. There, there's a redneck dance that happens. Um, people dance, and, and then all of a sudden, older Johnny Appleseed shows up, and he's uh, hanging out with Chip and Dale, um, <laughs> who barely almost don't look like Chip and Dale, but they're pretty much Chip and Dale. Um, thought i'd mention that and then uh they skip another 40 or they skip 40 more years and then we see that johnny is really old um and he's sleeping under a tree with all of his animal friends but all of a sudden he's vote he's visited by his ghost guardian angel friend again but then all of a sudden he realizes that he's dead and he he can see his his corpse laying there while all these cute little animals are still sleeping on him, which was really sad. Mm. Um, and then eventually he's convinced that uh, they need to, him to plant some apple trees in heaven. And so he walks off with his ghost. Uh, the end. Overall, I thought it was a good segment. Um, not too long. I think it was like the right length. Um, the humans were really well animated and I thought the narration was really well done and the, the rhyming and stuff was kind of interesting. So I, I liked this one. Uh, I thought it was good. I remember learning about Johnny Appleseed as a kid and, uh, yeah. So when, uh, when I, w- I watched this, it all kind of came back to me. Obviously they didn't mention a lot of the facts that Johnny Appleseed also was like very religious. I mean, they kind of mentioned it, but really a lot of his heading out West was, spreading the gospel and doing all this stuff so it was interesting they they kind of hit on the the green part of it all but they kind of stayed away from the religion part for the most part but uh, regardless it's a pretty good little segment and i thought that overall it was it was pretty great following that is little toot featuring the vocal performance of the andrews sisters who uh to my knowledge have um provided music in other Disney stuff uh, I think this was their last movie that they actually worked with Disney on um, so for those of you who don't know Little Toot is a little tugboat he wants to be just like his father Big Toot but can't <laughs> seem to stay out of trouble he ends up pushing an entire cruise ship into a downtown city and then gets locked up and is disgraced and his father is disgraced and his father has to pull garbage boats um yeah, this one gets a little depressing on the front end. Just going to say it gets a little heavy really fast. Um, but then eventually uh, a little uh, a little toot is out, uh, you know, crying at sea. When all of a sudden he is brought into the storm and it hits him really hard. Um, but it's in that moment he finds the ship that's stuck on these rocks. It's distressed. He's able to pull the ship out of the rocks and rescue it. Um, he calls SOS and all these other ships come over. He's a hero and everyone now loves him. Um, you know, the end. And so, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty good one. It starts out a little heavy, I think, but overall it's pretty good. Kind of reminds me of that airplane short with, uh, 
that we watched earlier where the, the plane has to you know, the fly mail, over the, yeah, the, the mail, mail one. Yeah. one. Yeah. Jeff, what do you think? Um, this one, you know, it's like my, my anecdote with this one is that I, I didn't really know this one. I didn't remember it from watching it as a kid. But when I worked at Disney, they randomly played the song from this at the uh, train station in Fantasyland that I used to work at. And oh. so it was really weird from a nostalgia point to suddenly be watching this and have something that I knew come on. So I just thought that I that bet. was interesting. And I thought it, it is interesting that they were able to incorporate something as really, I don't want to say insignificant, but like lesser known like this into like the modern parks that they just slipped it into that yeah. playlist. So random fun fact, if anyone's ever at Disney, you should check it out. Yeah, that's a nice little touch. I appreciate the the attention to detail. Um, yeah, that's the thing with Disney. Like, I don't know who made that call. Probably an older person who remembers this or mm-hmm. someone who just did good research. But I feel like Disney, for the most part, does a pretty good job at appreciating older stuff and mm-hmm. trying their best to find a place for everything, especially when it comes to like the parks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Trying to find a place for everything. Um, couldn't say the same for Disney Channel, but that's a tangent for another day. Yeah. Stupid Disney Channel. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next segment is called Trees. Very exciting. Uh, this segment featured a recitation of the 1913 poem Trees by Joyce Kilmer and music by Oscar Rasbach, performed by Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians with the lyrical setting accompanying animation of scenes seen through the changing of seasons. Kind of boring, but still beautiful nonetheless. I watched this last night and I still don't really remember it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's 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 pretty but that's about it yeah it's yeah definitely pretty definitely but uh <clears throat> yeah i don't know i think they did a better job of not having a lot of that mm-hmm. in this movie i think that one uh kind of is remembered as like the boring part of this movie but i feel like most of these um package films where they try to do art and animation with music you're gonna have segments like that and so mm-hmm. it's kind of inevitable but uh, as long as they're not super duper long, I can, I can forgive it. So, following that, we get blame it on the samba with Donald Duck and Jose Karaoke. Woo! Or Karaoke. Karaoke. Yeah, these two hang out a lot more than I ever knew so, that they did. Yeah, they're, same. Is this? They're the like good buds. The fourth film that Jose's been in, and the third. What does he? Did he have I think it's the third one. Because I swear he showed up in, like, another package film, but maybe I'm wrong. He's definitely in the, the two obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I thought he, he was, like, vaguely introduced in one before that, but I think, I think I'm completely wrong. Never mind. I'll shut up. This is yeah, but still three. <laughs> like, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. So. I was probably thinking of Melody Time, but then I remembered that, you know, Melody Time came later. <laughs> right. Um, yes. Uh. Our, our buddy also came back from uh, Three Caballeros, uh, Araquan, uh, <laughs> yeah, the little crazy bird dude. Bird. Yeah. And so uh, he, he was pretty pretty well featured in this segment, so that was cool. Um, it begins with them dancing in a cafe uh, before they are transported into a live action uh, performance with a Latina woman playing the organ. Um, because you know how much our two bird friends really love uh, real life human women. So yeah, that they do. Uh, yeah, they're they're like totally into that. So uh, yeah, and then they dance and the music continues and it's uh, it's a fun time. And uh, that's that's pretty much the segment in a nutshell. I don't think Donald gets too carried away with um, any kind of you know getting frisky. So better than before. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, so I would just want to comment, like, technically, that I feel like they did better with the live-action integration into this one. And, I mean, you think this is only five or maybe a few more years later than the, the first couple of these. Um, but the characters look a little more natural in the scene. They don't have, like, the lighting effects on them that you see in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But, um, like, right. there's a part where she's kind of floating and the camera's spinning around her and the characters are floating and it looks pretty cool. And then like there's parts where the little crazy bird puts his hands on her eyes and she turns her head side to side and they did a really good job in my opinion with it. It's not perfect, but like 
I, I think it's less grainy, has less of a weird glow outline from rotoscoping, and you know, I just wanted to call that out. It looks cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. David, what do you think? Um, we are at some of what Jeff said, that that segment did look really good. And I don't know if I've ever seen this before. So, and because of sort of how Donald had behaved in the last, um, <laughs> the last film, I was really like expecting, especially in that scene where he was underneath the piano. I was like, "Holy shit, he's gonna try to look up her skirt, isn't he?" And, and yet he thinking, didn't. I kept thinking that the whole time that this was gonna get really weird, and and instead it didn't. It was a lot less creepy than previous, and the animation was really good. Yeah. Integration with the live action and yeah, everything that Jeff said. So I'm nice. Well, I'm sorry they didn't. I'm sorry they disappointed you. And didn't they didn't disappoint the me. Pervy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't want that. I was oh. just expecting it because I had been trained. I had been trained to uh, um, expect that from the last film where he's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's. I don't blame you for thinking that. Uh, <laughs> So the then we are finally taken to our final segment, which is about Texas Texas's that's ah, hard to say famous <laughs> hero Pecos Bill, with a total running time of twenty two minutes. It is the lengthiest piece. Um, this retelling of the story features Roy Rogers, Bob Nolan, Trigger, and the Sons of the Pioneers telling the story to Bobby Driscoll and Luana Patton in a live action frame story so uh yeah so this one's a little bit longer so i figured i'd hit through some of the scenes and kind of we can hit that and if the hosts have anything they want to add during that feel free to to jump in um but yeah so basically we open up um the segment with a song blue shadows on the trail uh it's like i mentioned earlier this is a live action opening segment uh kind of at night uh out west with some cowboys around a fire um roy rogers is there he's a singer uh, it's great I, i'm actually a big fan of roy rogers and so uh i think it was uh i think it was a cool addition to have him i think it, it fit really well i'm sure they were looking for somebody to, you know kind of a cowboy singer to do this part um but yeah so they're all sitting around a fire uh, people are talking in rhymes for some reason right off the bat, which is kind of weird, uh, like in conversation, not in narration. Uh, but uh, uncle, good old Uncle Roy uh, decides to tell the story of Pecos Bill to some random kids by the fire because I guess uh, they're, you know, out in the wilderness with some kids out west. So um, they finally jump into the story, which takes us to the animated segment that most of you probably know. Um Basically, how uh, they, they give the backstory of how Pecos Bill came to be. Basically, uh, one day, uh, a family was heading out west in a wagon when they dropped a baby out of the back and didn't even notice. Um, eventually, a mom coyote finds him and raises him with others. Kind of a Mowgli situation, if you will. Uh, Pecos Bill grows up being better than all the other animals. Uh, there's a whole segment of him out animaling all the animals um eventually uh a horse a ba like a baby horse shows up and is being uh you know attacked by a bunch of vultures and uh, pecos bill comes in and saves the day and uh, i i did notice that the uh the vultures in this are basically the exact ones used in the snow white movie Ooh. so Ooh. i don't know if you guys noticed that i didn't really think about it but yeah you're right <laughs> They have those red eyes and like the red tips of their beaks or whatever. It's pretty much exactly the ones from Snow White. So um, eventually Bill grows up and is a real cowboy with guns and everything and cigarettes. Um, and th there's this huge segment, which I really like, uh, of all these things that, that Pigos Bill did, including uh, he brought rain from California to make the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. Oh, good man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was nice of him. Uh, he was also responsible for the gold rush because uh, he punched all the bad guys' gold teeth out. Um, he created the Rio Grande to fight dehydration with a fence post that he found. Uh, he also shot at painted Indians to cause, I don't really know what that's called, but like the, the colorful rockscapes mm. down there. 
Um, yeah, basically, he single-handedly created Texas is what the whole segment is saying. I don't know. I, it, it's ridiculous. It's silly. <laughs> uh, obviously, people don't think this, but uh, I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. It kind of played on the whole um, folklore of people talking about how people did things to shape the state and so it was just it was a lot of you know uh ridiculous extremes but i thought it i thought it played really well uh i thought some of the forced rhyming that they did like with california i can't even remember how they said california but it was just really funny uh so i really like this part jeff what do you think um i just was thinking about it now as we were discussing it that it's not unlike maui's song you're welcome in moana where it's all these ridiculous things he did to make the world the way it is. So, yeah. yeah I wouldn't say parallel. it's a callback, but it, yeah, there's it a little similarity. Yeah. Except for Maui didn't shoot firearms at Native Americans. It's true. It's true. He was, he was they might have just not showed that part. He did take a, a, a Neil's guts and bury him, though, so he's kind of mean to some of the living creatures. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> not the same. One day, Pecos Bill met a beautiful woman named Bluefoot Sue. She was riding a catfish. And it was in that moment that Bill discovered hormones. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just went through puberty. Yeah, he, he went from living with uh, wolves to discovering that he liked women all in one day. <laughs> um, yeah, so they fall in love, and uh, basically his horse gets neglected. And... Uh, one day, Bill and Sue decide they're going to get married, but uh, I guess the the woman wanted to ride in on on, on the horse, um, but didn't want her to ride on him. Uh, so eventually, she does anyways, and uh, uh, this is so weird. Uh, she basically is wearing this whole outfit for the wedding, including the thing on her rear end. I don't know if either of you know what the actual term for it is. No. <laughs> It's not. like the big metal frame that I guess makes your your bum look really large. A girder, um, maybe is that what that is, or is that something else? That's, I think that's something that's else. Something All else. right. But eventually, uh, the horse gets super mad, and they have this whole little rodeo thing going on. Uh, eventually, the horse bucks her off, and uh, because of her little metal contraption on her rear end, she starts bouncing up and down defying gravity and all the things that make this impossible um what is going on uh bill then steps in to try to lasso her but he misses uh due to the horse like stepping on the rope or something <laughs> sue eventually flies off into space uh never to be seen again <laughs> bill leaves civilization and goes back to the wild and howls at the moon Good God. uh <laughs> Uh, let me finish this last point, and then we'll kind of talk about this whole thing. Um, then we're taken back to the live-action Cowboy Bonfire. The segment ends with a reprise of Blue Shadows. Um, for me, this was my favorite segment and would have done great all on its own uh, with a longer runtime. I feel like they could have spaced some of this out, done some more in-depth musical numbers, and it would have been awesome. Uh, my only issue with this one is the, the kind of the ridiculous ending uh, it's a little silly. Uh, I don't know if there's like actual lore to this, like uh, stories back in the day of this actually happening, or if they just kind of came up with this. But it seems a little far-fetched. I feel like there's other ways you could have got rid of her without it being so ridiculous as her bouncing up and down on her metal thing, her metal butt. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I love this whole thing. I think it starts out really good, the whole raising of him and how he came to be I thought was really good. Um, it was just the part at the end that was it was a little weird to me. I don't know. Did you guys like this one? It's interesting and has good animation, but in general, it's a it's a little far fetched, like you said. It's a tall tale. Um, I'm not super familiar with the with the original story either. So, um, but it's it's okay. David, what did you think? Yeah, kind of similar to what Jeff's thought, thought. And it feels like this definitely was something that pre-existed that was not really suited to animation. And they kind of just sort of struggled to figure out how to take something ludicrous and even with an animation make it believable. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, good animation. And I think this is probably the first time I saw it, like, uncensored. <laughs> so that was, hmm. kind of, that was kind of interesting. But I, I wouldn't say it was like my favorite short of the film or anything. It was, it was just kind of, it was just kind of weird. 
Well, it was my favorite, so well, good. Yeah, so take that. <laughs> so if that wasn't your favorite segment, guys, which one was your favorite segment? That's an interesting question. Um, <laughs> you don't have to answer right now if you don't. <laughs> Maybe Johnny stand out. Johnny Appleseed probably. It just it was a fun little one. I, I none I, of them really stand out yeah. to me. They're all okay. good, but none of them are great. I I like the blame it on the samba. I like the music in that one. But yeah, I I would think I think realistically it's blame it on the samba. Um, and nostalgia probably would pick little two to Johnny Appleseed. Because those are the two that I'm familiar with the most. But I think little the little samba one or whatever it was just called. I just messed <laughs> it up, didn't I? Blame it on the samba. I think that one is it has the most interesting animation going on. You bring back a, a mm-hmm. old character, and it feel to me it feels like the best from a more um, impartial standpoint without nostalgia being involved. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Fair enough. That is the end of of uh, melody time. The end. And uh, real quick, we're going to jump right back in with the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So let me fire this one up real quick. And we start off with our opening, your typical intro opening credits. Opening song is called Ichabod and Mr. Toad. No surprise there. All right. Then we are taken to a live action shot of uh, books on a shelf with a British narrator, uh, Basil Rathbone. Uh, He mentions a bunch of different books, some that would eventually be used by Disney. So that was kind of interesting. Um, But obviously he lands on the book titled the wind in the willows so from there uh, we are introduced uh all right what is it yeah so rat and mole are kind of more or less our main characters in this uh they're at home hanging out when they get an invite from toad uh to come to his house so then we're taken t- to uh toad's house where we find mr mcbadger uh doing toad's finances because toad is completely broke um uh Rat and Mole show up. Everybody's really mad at Toad. Toad's nowhere to be found. Um, Badger tells them that uh, they've got to stop him because he's like going crazy and going on joy rides and has all these bills, basically. Um, then eventually we're cut to Mr. Toad, uh, who is driving a gypsy cart with a horse, singing the song Merrily on Our Way to Nowhere in Particular. <laughs> Which is a good song. I like it that is a good song. song. I like it too. Uh, there's a reason it ended up in the uh, in the sing-alongs. I think it's it's catchy, and I've actually had it stuck in my head all morning. <laughs> uh, somehow, when I got up and started thinking about this show we were going to do today, it got stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, nice. They used to play it on the cast bus when they would drive us from the parking lot to work at Magic Kingdom. Oh, nice. So we used to all laugh about it when it came on, just because <laughs> it's such <laughs> a fitting tune. Yeah, that's awesome. Eventually, Rat and Mole show up, uh, give him a stern lecture about his joyriding, and uh, basically Toad just kind of doesn't listen to them, takes off. Um, after that, after he leaves, he, he sees his very first motor car uh, drive by, and he's instantly obsessed uh, and wants a motor car. So his friends, Rat and Mole, have no choice but to go lock Toad up. Now, real quickly, I want to hit on something that I don't know where else to fit this into. There's this weird thing where uh, Rat and to- Rat and Mole, excuse me, Rat and Mole are dressed up like Sherlock Holmes and like Mr. Watson. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. I don't. I can't remember if that's how they're like just depicted in the original thing. But it's just kind of weird. Did you guys like catch that? Wasn't that kind of? Yeah, I always thought that and. I mean, he looks kind of like the Great Mouse Detective-ish. Like, I don't right. know, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if that's just, that was the style and it's just a coincidence or what. I mean, he's even got like a, a pipe that he smokes and everything. Mm-hmm. So it seems odd. Um, I'm looking at some original photos from Wind in the Willows and I don't see them wearing like bowler caps and I forget what they call Sherlock's hat. But yeah. So it must have been like a Disney call, but they're not really detectives, and 
not really sure what that was all about. But anyway, something worth noting. That night, Toad is locked up in his room, uh, but he sneaks out and um, gets out and runs amok and uh, is later arrested for Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) (laughs) Fun times. Yeah, this this movie gets oddly like... uh, like law driven and like court and like mm-hmm. sentencings and stuff. It's really interesting. Uh, not how I remembered or would have pictured this, you know, kind of going, but basically uh, then after being arrested, he is taken to human court for some reason. <laughs> There's a really odd, like humans and animals like are kind of like living together and humans are like bartenders for animals and animals go to human court. Uh, it's kind of weird. Like I, I didn't really understand that part. Um, but I guess you don't need to. It's yeah, not important. It's, it's, uh, a weird, it's a weird tale it, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, Rat and Mole and McBadger are all called in as witnesses. Uh, Toad represents himself. Uh, and he has the horse come up and give testimony of what happened. Um, basically, what, what what their story says is that they went to a bar uh, where they saw these this red car pull up with all these gangster weasel guys in it. And they all go into the bar. And uh, Toad basically went and, and bought the car uh, in a trade. Um, Toad Hall for the car, basically. He, <laughs> he writes up the deed for his home, Toad Hall, uh, in trade for, for the car. Um, we then see that the bartender, who's this really creepy-looking dude, um, is kind of like the witness slash whatever uh, for this trade. Um, but then the bartender is pulled up onto the witness stand and basically says... Uh, lies and says that didn't happen. He stole the car or something. And so he's found guilty and thrown in jail. We then cut to Christmas time. Toad is in a castle prison for some reason. Tower he's of very London? sad. What'd you say? It's the Tower of London. That's what it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> castle <you>. prison. <laughs> it's not a castle. It's a Tower of London. Uh, Toad is very sad and repentant. Um, when his horse comes to visit him and basically talks him into escaping. Um, from there, he runs away, steals a train, some cops shoot guns at him, and then uh, he gets away and uh, shows up back at Rat and Mole's house, his good buddies. Um, eventually, McBadger shows up at the house and tells them that he realized later on that the bartender, Mr. Winky, is the leader <laughs> of the Weasels. And uh, basically, they've taken over Toad Hall. And yeah, so I forget how McBadger figures that out, but basically he does. Um, real quick, it's probably worth noting the uh, the weasels of uh, the, the, the goons, the mob guys here. Jeff, is there any uh, significance to these guys to you? Hmm. Or, or do they remind you of anything? They or like are they a, brought back They seem like they way? were significant in a 1980s film that merged live action. Um, oh. Yeah, I think they're the, the gang of bad guys in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That's right. I think they're in some other stuff, too. I don't know if it's video games or... But they're they're pretty good, like, generic goons for anything Disney-related or animated-related, even. Mm-hmm. Um, they also remind me of the mob guys in uh, Conker's Bad Fur yeah, Day. I was going to say that as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if that's where they like, came from, but... Uh, definitely kind of gives off that vibe. Mm-hmm. That animal plays that role very well. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a good choice. Uh, back to it. Um, basically, the, the gang bands together and they sneak into Toad Hall to try to steal the deed back, which I guess somehow would give them Toad Manor back or I guess prove that the bartender was lying and he got duped into buying a stolen car. Um it's there that they get caught and this chaotic segment takes place where they the deed keeps going back and forth from good guy to bad guy. It's a very popular kind of scene where th- craziness ensues and people are running around with uh, with things. So reminds me of uh, Infinity Wars or whatever where they got the glove. And, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and lots and of I think there's juice. <laughs> Every Scooby-Doo episode. I think, uh, doesn't um, Robin Hood have a scene where they're, like, yeah. grabbing something? Yeah, the the tournament grounds when they're, like, running back and forth. Or they're playing yeah. keep away with something. 
I can't remember what they're holding on to, but can't either. Uh, eventually they escape with the with the deed. Toad grabs the deed. Toad is exonerated. Um, he is revealed to, after all, not actually be reformed, but he's still his crazy self. But now he has an airplane. <laughs> the end. God, <laughs> this is such a weird short film. Like, which I guess I just didn't know the source material growing up. But it's just it's this eccentric, broke millionaire who just gets obsessed with new tech. Yeah, it's kind of a fun. It is premise, fun. I guess. Yeah, you it know? is fun. It plays out well. Yeah. And Toad's kind of an interesting character where he has friends that love him and care for him. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a good person, but mm-hmm. he's kind of ridiculous. Um, I really like the scene in it where he's uh, he's representing himself. He knows he's innocent and he like thinks he's like a great lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so he calls up the witness and then he calls up the bartender and he's like, I got this in the bag. He starts like putting on his coat and he's about to walk out the door of Freeman and then all of a sudden the bartender like lies and then they grab him real quick and so it's just like he's really confident he's kind of this Tony Stark type dude with mm-hmm. these you know wanting to man that's like exactly his character isn't it <laughs> yeah people uh, love him and yet he's still kind of a jerk mm-hmm. yeah. but did you think nice about guy. that David um could you repeat what you just said? I'm sorry. Wake up, I'm David. Really, wake up. I'm really sleepy, <laughs> and my mind just totally went somewhere. <laughs> I, know, I knew you weren't listening. That's why I threw it to you. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Next up is uh, the uh, second short in this one movie. Uh, we're taken back to the live action books that we saw at the beginning, where we are then taken to another story and another narrator. One of the best, Mr. Bing Crosby, uh, a personal favorite of mine. He's an awesome dude. He then introduced the legends of Sleepy, or the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So then we are then taken to the animated segment where we are introduced to Sleepy Hollow uh, as a whole, as well as Mr. Ichabod Crane, as he is just arriving in town for the first time. We also meet Brom Bones, the town bully and Gaston wannabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song is sung about Ichabod, and we are introduced to him. He's really weird, skinny, and uh, interesting dude. After that, uh, Ichabod is, we find out he's the school teacher, and uh, he doesn't like to whip his, his, his kids, his students. Instead, he enjoys eating their mother's food instead. Uh, this dude loves his food, but for some reason is super skinny. Um, I'm jealous. I don't know if that's like... <laughs> If he really does like food or if there's like a hidden meaning in here. But uh, regardless, he's eating like food throughout the whole movie, basically. Um, Later on, we see he's teaching vocal lessons. Uh, These like three women. Uh, They're singing a song and uh, Bing Crosby's kind of singing along and doing doing the parts. And it's in this part where Bing Crosby hits this like really, really low note. And uh, I just remember watching this a few years ago and just being like blown away at how low that note was. And uh, I don't know, Bing Crosby's awesome. I yes. love him. He's 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 great. So I think he was a perfect fit for this. It's a weird fit, but it's a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, Brom Bones uh, eventually shows up and tries to bully Ichabod, but Ichabod doesn't let it bother him. He's a good dude and kind of just lets it roll off his shoulder. Then one day, a beautiful woman named Katrina Von Tassel shows up. She's basically the character model of Cinderella, more or less. Oh, yeah. Um, she looks very, very similar, I thought. Uh, Bing sings a whole song about her, and uh, Ichabod finally is introduced to her, and he instantly falls in love with her. She's hot, and her dad has land with crops worth a lot of gold. Mm. So what's not to like, you know? Um a lot of people thought it was weird that uh, Ichabod was like interested in her land, but I don't know. I think back in the day, that was always something that guys probably considered and probably sweetened the deal a bit. Desirable quality. Aha, mm-hmm. uh-huh, yes. All indeed. about that land. <laughs> Baby got land. <laughs> uh, eventually, <laughs> Katrina invites Ichabod to her dad's Halloween party. Uh, oh, wait. I skipped the thing. Yeah, basically, Katrina, uh, she wasn't interested at all in Brom Bones. Obviously, Brom Bones is 
Gaston and he's super interested and wants her, but she's like, nah, I'm good. I kind of dig Ichabod instead. Uh, They end up competing for her affection, basically. So one day Katrina's uh, dad is sending out invites for the Halloween party and she writes a little thing on there, uh, extra inviting Ichabod to come. He shows up. There's a whole party going on. There's little little pumpkins everywhere. Uh, they dance at the party, and uh, Brom basically tries to interfere the whole time, trying to get into the dance and all that. But uh, eventually, at midnight, Brom tells a very scary story of the headless horseman. Then a song takes place that tells the story. I actually really like this song. I think it's it's pretty catchy and uh, kind of spooky. It's fun. Um, Ichabod believes everything he's hearing and is very visibly scared and, and worried. So that night, as Ichabod heads home, he's freaking out. He's scared. Obviously, his horse is all mopey and like real slow and not very animated. Eventually, uh, the Headless Horseman shows up and chases Ichabod and tries to cut off his head. After a long uh, pursuit sequence takes place, of uh, going back and forth, which is kind of frustrating to watch. Uh, Ichabod does make it across the bridge, which he was told earlier. If you cross the bridge, the Headless Horseman cannot reach you. But the Headless Horseman has one last trick up his sleeve and chucks a jack-o'-lantern across the bridge uh, and we assume hits uh, Ichabod right in the face. So the next morning, all that people find of Ichabod is his hat and a broken pumpkin. The dude is dead, and Brom marries Katrina, and that's how the freaking video ends. What the heck? The end. God, what a tragedy. Man. Yeah. Not how I remember Disney, that ending. Not a classic Disney ending. So dark. Yeah. I, I thought I remembered it as Brom dresses up as the Headless Horseman and tries to scare him, but then the real Headless Horseman shows up and scares both of them, but then they like eventually get away by getting across the bridge or whatever so i completely i don't know where i got that i wonder if maybe the version shown on like the disney channel and stuff is like edited make it less dark maybe still i mean they would have had to make new footage or something right and i don't know i didn't read anything about that so yeah we didn't just be how it is the narrator does say that potentially he's ichabod's not actually dead and in fact, he's married a woman who makes delicious food, and he's somewhere off eating her food. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Mm-hmm. Brom marries Katrina. It's just yeah. it's, the whole thing is kind of odd. But um, it's very much a nice guy's finish last story, which is not common, right? Disney especially. So yeah, it was. I don't know. I really like this one. I think it's well made, and I love Bing Crosby as well. And the animation's good. I know they used the multiplane a few times in this one, which they hadn't really in most of the other ones we watched. I didn't notice in The Wind of the Willows that one might have as well. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Dave, what did you think overall of uh, of Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod? Um, I, I like it. It is dark. Um, as before, the Wind in the Willows segment is the, my favorite half of this movie because of the nostalgia. But I think it's all right. It's, it's definitely more grounded and real than a lot of the weird stuff that happened in the previous film we watched. Right. Um, and grounded in more of, you know, not always a happy ending and all that. So I, I appreciate that. And I think Ichabod and Mr. Toad as a film is good. Like it's not, even though it's a package film, but both segments are good and you can watch it and not be annoyed at anything. Right. For the most part. Totally. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I like this one. I, I think I prefer it to uh, Mr. Toad, but I think they're both pretty good. Um, I just like the Halloween stuff. I like the spooky thing. It's a good one to watch at Halloween. Nice and short, and it's pretty good. So that's that's it. That's the uh, that's the two movies in a nutshell. Uh, the second one's much more simple. It's just two, you know, two short 
shorts kind of back to back it's a lot easier to to remember it's these multi-segment ones that i get confused what segment was that in what was this Mm -hmm. so uh it's a little bit easier when it's just like two and and the title literally has both characters in it and so it's a lot easier to remember with melody time make my music it's just like what anyway um we're almost done here we got one last thing to do we're just going to give our final thoughts and ratings out of 10 um uh, we will do uh, Melody Time first, and then Ichabod and Mr. Toad second. Uh, we'll go David, Jeff, me. Just give me your ratings for both movies and your final thoughts for both movies, and we will be donezo. All right, so um, Melody Time. I'm going to say significantly better than Make My Music, which was a big <laughs> relief because I could have barely got through that film. Um, yeah. Most of the shorts are at least entertaining. Um, it's still not... I don't know, these packaged films are just in general, the format is not my favorite. And um, so I did give it not the best score. I gave it a five out of 10, just because I feel like as a movie, it's still not the best to watch it this way. It, it's each sort of short is better to watch individually than just watching them all back to back, in my opinion. Um, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, it is definitely the best film from this wartime packaged era by far. Um, I love, I love the Sleepy Hollow short. Um, if I, if I was just rating just the Sleepy Hollow short, I might have given it a little bit higher. But I'm still rating it as like this sort of weird half hour double feature, which I think, you know, takes away a little bit of my enjoyment of watch is well, again watching it this way. I almost understand why these films were broken up individually, um, and sort of sold that way because I do think they both work better standalone. Um, so I'm gonna give that one a seven out of ten, and but a very good seven out of ten because Wind <laughs> of the Willows is awesome. Nice, cool. Yeah. All right, for myself, uh, for Melody Time, I'm giving it a seven, which uh, does seem significantly higher than yours. I do understand where you're coming from and agree that these are just better on their own, and some of them aren't really that great at all. But I enjoy just. The animation of it, I enjoy just the the musical stuff. Um, you know, there's that little nostalgia factor with like the little toot thing for me, uh, and Johnny Appleseed I grew up with, and and Pecos Bill even. Uh, so I enjoy it. I, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think there's anything bad about it. Nothing that I really hated. So that's why I gave it the seven. I mean, it's like it's it's good. Um, as far as Ichabod and Mr. Toad, I really enjoy both of these short films i think they're both really well done really well animated um the animation on mr toad his body language and just his like almost like flamboyant uh gesturing and stuff is just really well done um especially considering his dimensions he's not humanoid so anything they they couldn't have used rotoscoping they had to use referencing which is very impressive animation so i i always tend to rate more on the technical side anyway um and then obviously the uh the sleepy hollow segment um all humans but really good animation lots of multi-character scenes and dancing with spinning and stuff so um really enjoy it and then like just obviously the plot of it is it's a little dark it's a little not a happy ending but um sometimes in life you got to learn that it doesn't always turn out great so i think it's it's a good lesson yeah I, I agree. Um, all right. For me, uh, Melody Time, uh, probably one of the stronger uh, package films. I think it had a lot more character-driven uh, story arc, you know, shorts to it. A lot less just artistic animation stuff. Um, so I, I appreciated that about it. Uh, Johnny Appleseed and Pecos Bill were great. Pecos Bill being my favorite, uh, but I love Westerns, so that makes sense. Um so that being said, I gave it a five, um, which is better than I gave Make Mine Music, uh, but a little less than Fun and Fancy Free. Uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad, I gave a six, which is exactly what I gave Fun and Fancy Free. Uh, I think like Fun and Fancy Free, it, it's got two really good segments. Um, I would have rather seen one or the other just been a full-length movie on its own. Uh, I think both could have benefited greatly from having their own thing because i mean uh wind in the willows has so many great characters in it and i feel like the uh or the uh ichabod storyline just kind of uh just ended a little too quickly it was just kind of over and um 
I feel like they could have stretched some things out and, and, and made it a little bit longer. So, uh, but that being said, I, I really liked them both. Uh, I think I liked, uh, I would probably say I like Ichabod and Mr. Toad better if I had to pick one. And uh, I like the Ichabod short the most uh, just because it's dark and spooky. And uh, it has freaking Bing Crosby in it, who's just the best. So, uh, yeah, I think that's that's it. I think we're done. We are finally done with our package films. <laughs> Next month, we will be tackling Cinderella, and I'm so excited. And uh, we'll actually have a full-length movie with an overarching storyline and characters and character growth and development and all that good stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, David, thanks for sleeping through. We appreciate you being here. <laughs> Jeff, thanks welcome. for being here as well and talking about rotoscoping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate you both. You bring great things to the table. I think next week's or next month's episode is going to be uh, much better for everything. So uh, thanks for being here, guys. Cheers, buddy. Listeners, thanks for uh, making it this far. We hope you will be back next month for Cinderella. Uh, in the meantime, check us out. We're, all of us are on Twitter. Uh, hit us up, and we will see you next time. Man, I'm getting out of here.